0: Thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. If you're like me, um, you've probably watched a lot of sports over the last two weeks, a lot of football. And one of the things you see at football games a lot is Scripture John 3:16. Somebody's either painted it on a sign. It's usually behind a goal post, so when you kick the extra point or field goal, you're looking at it all the time. And we know that one by by heart. Pop that up on the screen, Becca, Jed. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's a nice passage of scripture, beautiful. But here's one you don't see behind the goat post. Luke nine twenty-three, Jed. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up the cross daily and follow me. You don't see that one very often. That's not the one behind the goalpost. That'll separate the men from the boys. It's one thing, John three sixteen we see is about believing. But Luke nine twenty three is about following. Jesus does not separate those two. He does not. You see, the believing to Jesus means, oh, yeah, I'm following. But for many of us, unfortunately, we want to believe to get the fire insurance to spend eternity in heaven, but we're not real concerned about this following, taking up your cross, denying yourself, cowboying up, sucking it up for the home team, die in the self kind of stuff we'll, we'll quote John 3 16 till Jesus comes back but we're not real sure we want to mess with Luke 9 23 you see not a fan series I want to I want to continue that into the new year because what a great way to continue our start a new year is looking at not a fan if we've looked at not a fan through the fall and early winter And what's neat about not a fan and what's neat about Jesus in these encounters is Jesus is just passing through and doing life, and he comes up to these folks, and he meets them right where they are, and the question is simply this, are you a fan or are you a follower? You see, a lot of people are fans, and they believe, but they're not, they don't want to go that extra step. Because they want to believe, but they want to follow on their own terms. I'll set the terms on which I follow. And Jesus says, nope, no. Now, if you're going to be a follower of me, I'll set the terms, and you dance that music. I'm not dancing to your music. You're going to dance to my music. I'm the creator And I dictate the music, and you're going to dance with me. And today, we're going to look at how Jesus begins this journey. At the beginning of this, we looked at the the DTR. We got to determine the relationship. We looked at the first part of this, not a fan, as what is my relationship to Jesus. The second half of this thing is (laughs) just a little bit tougher. It is, what is the relationship going to look like when Jesus sets the terms? And am I going to follow him? You see, before we looked at our relationship, now we look at where Jesus wants to take us if we're willing to follow him. Okay? He begins this by saying, if anyone. That's a beautiful statement. If anyone will follow me. If anyone, it's an all-inclusive word, anyone really means everyone. So if you walked in the Huntsville State Penitentiary and you walked down the corridor, you simply say, if anyone. If anyone. If you walked in Amarillo Country Club, And you just look at them, and you're walking through the halls, and you say, if anyone can walk in any church today in America or all over this world and play the part of Jesus and say, if anyone, just anyone, just anyone. Story is told of a family that had three girls. If you got three girls, I'm not talking about you. But as a family that has three girls, mom, as any mom would, especially a mom of three girls, decided that there's a special room in their house that's a little too small for a game room, and dad already had a little office, so she wanted to claim the room as her room. And so she paints the room chocolate brown with white trim and white carpet. Couldn't tell you why. And lo and behold, while they're out one day, her and her husband, she sees this incredibly beautiful white loveseat and a white chair and ottoman. And her husband says, no, not doing it. You don't buy white couches. And she said, well, if we're good stewards of God's money, this is on sale. And I think it's on sale, and we're here today on a divine appointment of God's. And if we're going to follow God, we need to buy this. Well, it's set up like any marriage. He bought it. And so they take a white couch home and a white chair and ottoman, and put it in a chocolate brown room with white carpet, and they call a family powwow with three girls and say, and mom says, this is the white room. The president has the white house, and he's the president. And I am the president of this house, and this is my white room. And you three don't go in there, and honey, we've already talked. And so there is a magical wall that no one goes through. Now, that works good for a little while, and then one day, mom's in her white room having her quiet time, and she decides that it's been a while since she fluffed those cushions. So she begins to pat the cushion and flips the left one and then flips the right one. And then you heard a scream. It wasn't one of those screams like, I just won... The lottery. It's one of those screams like, someone I gave birth to is going to die. And so here you've got this setting, and so again we have the family powwow. And before mom could even say a word, because she'd already flipped the couches back over to where it's beautiful white. Before she could ever say anything about the couch or flipping it or anything, Morgan. The middle girl runs. She's jets out of here. Upstairs she goes, and the other two are left looking at each other. Well, obviously, they're off the hook. And Dad, this time, is off the hook. And so you have this setting of this family, this white room, this couch, all this stuff. And then. Dad says, I'll go find Morgan. So he looks all over the house, begins to go upstairs, can't find her, and hears crying coming from the closet. And so Dad goes and says, hey, Morgan, Mom wants to see you in the white room. So Morgan is brought down to the white room. And before Dad ever flips the couch... Morgan looks at mom and says, do you still love me? I want you to go to your Bible, and I want you to look at the first Morgan. His name is Matthew. Matthew is really not his name. It's just how we know him. His name is really Levi. It's given the name Levi because his parents had predestined before he was ever hatched that he would be like a Levite in the Old Testament. He would honor and serve and trust God all the days of his life. For some reason, that's not how it plays out. For Matthew. You see, back in the day, by the time Matthew was 12 years old, he would have known the scripture. He would have known the Torah like the back of his hand. Because he would have been a student of the rabbi. A rabbi would have students. He would teach the word, he would know the word, follow the word, and all this stuff. We find Matthew. Not doing that. Matthew had been a disappointment to his parents. Matthew's predestined, little arranged life that his parents had set up for him didn't work. Didn't turn out that way. We don't know exactly what all their encounters were, but we do know that Matthew tried to be a Talmud, or a student of a rabbi. But he didn't get past the qualifications or the acceptance letter. He didn't get approved. And so he just floundered out there. So Matthew decides well, if I can't be what they think I can be, I'll just be something else. And what he becomes is a tax collector. Now, back then, there was no such thing as an honest tax collector. All tax collectors were bad. They stuffed their pockets, took from the poor, took from rich, made their pockets swell. But not just Matthew was a tax collector, but Matthew was a tax collector for the Romans. See, his parents always thought he would be a leader to the nation of Israel. But he's totally the opposite of that. He's working for the Romans. He's an outcast as a tax collector. He doesn't even meet the requirements to be in their presence. He doesn't even, he's seen as a social outfit. He's seen as a downcast. He didn't meet the standards. He's not good enough. He doesn't even get to come in the outer court to the tabernacle. No, no, no. He sits outside the walls. And we find Matthew in this story right here sitting at a tax booth. In a busy street. The man who did not measure up. who didn't qualify. Didn't meet the standards. And I want you to pick up his story. In Matthew chapter 9 verse 9. As Jesus went on from there. He saw a man named Matthew. Sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner with Matthew, at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does this teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Verse 12. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Matthew, seen as a guy who didn't measure up, didn't meet the standards. Dude, we're all Matthew. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Matthew, Levi, did not meet God's or what he seemed his parents' standards or the world's standards were. He's sitting at a tax booth on a busy street by himself, minding his own business. And see, poor Matthews is kind of a lot like a lot of us, a lot of people. You make a bad choice, and so you make another bad choice. And then you make another bad choice, and then you make another bad choice. And then all of a sudden, all your bad choices have identified you and labeled you and told you who you were. And so Matthew believes he's a nobody. And so he's sitting at this tax booth, and Jesus walks by. I want to take you back to Morgan. Morgan's brought downstairs to the white room, stands with mom in front of the couch. Dad has the honor of flipping the cushion. When the cushion gets flipped, we see pink nail polish. Morgan said, I only did it once. I came in here one time. I just wanted to sit there. When I took my flip-flops off, I noticed my toes looked gross, so I thought I should paint my toenails to sit in the room so pretty. Well, she painted her toes, and then she wanted to paint her hands. Well, at 12 years old, when you have to switch Now, I don't know this. When you have to switch hands to the hand you're not and paint the pinky of the finger that's the opposite hand, the pinky hard because it moves, and it's not a very big thing anyway. And so she dropped it, and it hit the white cushion. And she said, I panicked, and when I panicked, I went and got bounty paper towels because Mama saw the commercial that bounty paper towels will suck up anything, but it didn't suck it up. And the more I scrubbed, the bigger the spot got. And like any 12-year-old daughter who makes a stain on mom's white couch, the best thing you can do, my friend, is what? Flip the cushion. So she flipped it. She flipped it. But unfortunately, it got flipped. Mom could only hear the words that she said, Do you still love me? And her mom said this, Morgan, there is no stain so big that I could not love you. No bi- no stain. There's no stain you could ever make in your life that I couldn't love you through it. Matthew. Mm. Felt like a disappointment. Felt like he failed everybody. Sitting in a tax collector's booth, taking money from his own people to give to the Romans. I'm sure he laid in bed at night thinking, hmm. I know there's a rabbi out there. They've been telling me about this neat rabbi, this new rabbi, this special rabbi, this, this unique rabbi that does miracles. But he probably won't stop at my booth. He probably doesn't love me. I'm sure I disappointed him too. I've disappointed everybody. Look at my stains on me. And lo and behold, one day Jesus stops by the booth of the tax collector named Matthew. And he simply says to Matthew, follow me. And Matthew got up and followed Jesus. Just got up and followed him. Interesting thing happened to Morgan. Mom hugs Morgan, cries with Morgan hugs Morgan, cries with Morgan, and says, Morgan, there's nothing we can do to get this stain out of this cushion. It's going to be there forever. But I want you to know something. This stain, this stain does not describe who you are. It does not identify you. You're beautiful, fearfully and wonderfully made, a child of the king. This stain does not identify you. And she said, I love you, and I always remember, there's never going to be a stain in your life that I can't love you through. Funny thing happens to Morgan. Morgan used to be the girl who hid the cushion and lived in shame and guilt and never would tell anybody. Mom flipped her cushion, exposed her stain, and now Morgan tells everybody her story how she thought her mom would meet her with rejection and and hate and anger but she was met with love grace and mercy here's matthew who also got his cushion flipped and he's not met with rejection from jesus he's not met with anger from jesus he's not met with isolation from jesus he's met with mercy and grace and love and acceptance And Jesus tells him, follow me. Morgan tells her friends of her stain. And so did Matthew. I want you to see this. Verse 10 says this. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, mm, some more stains came in. Many tax collectors and sinners Came and ate with him and his disciples. I'm sure if you were one of the disciples with Jesus at the time that he stops at the booth of Matthew and says, Follow me, I'm sure those disciples are like, Are you what? Him? No. Do you know who he is? He's a tax collector, he's, a, he's not just a tax collector. He's a tax collector for the Romans. No, he's not he's not joining our group. He's not coming. In, no, he's not one of, no, 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 no. 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 He'll mess us up, give us a bad name, make us look bad. He's chief sinner, man, a chief sinner. No. I want him. Follow me. And now Matthew tells his story and has told his story, and his friends are sitting around eating with Jesus, telling their story about how their cushion got flipped. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? <laughs> Let me ask you something. Why does Jesus even accept us as followers? I'm not a tax collector, but I got stains. You got stains? I got stains. I got some stains people know about. I got some stains nobody knows about. You see, what happens to us is we're told all our life that Jesus knows us like nobody else knows us. That Jesus sees in the dark, doesn't need a flashlight. So that means Jesus knows all my stars. He knows all my stains. And so we decide that that would disqualify us from ever being a follower of Jesus. We self-impose disqualification on ourselves because of the stains in our life. We do that. He doesn't do that to us. We do it to ourselves. We say, God can't use us. He doesn't want me. I can't be a follower. I can't share Christ. I can't speak for Jesus. I can't be a leader. I can't stand up. Do you know my past? Do you know what I did? Do you know my stains? Do you? You don't, but Jesus does. Trust me, He won't stop at my booth. He's not going to want me to follow Him. No way. For many of us, The reason we're still fans, enthusiastic admirers, and not followers is because we've self-imposed disqualification on ourselves. We said, no way the king would want me. No way I could be his follower because somebody may see me and say, dude, what are you following Jesus for? I know what you did. I know you're staying. I went to high school with you. I was drunk with you every Friday night also. And then you'd go Tuesday night to FCA. Who are you fooling? Self-imposed disqualifications. See, we do them anyway. We do them to ourselves and we do them to others. Because we come to church and we go, oh, Lord, help. This roof's about to fall in. So-and-so just came in. I can't believe they're in church. What are they doing in church? Jesus stopped by their booth and flipped their cushion. And met them with love, acceptance, grace, and mercy. Just like he met you and me. And today, if you've met the king, and he changed your life, and he flipped your cushion, guess what you do? You tell your story, don't you? Hey, Amen. I used to be that. But I'm not anymore. I'm not anymore. I wonder today... If you had that same encounter that Morgan had, or that Matthew had, you had those Morgan moment where somebody flipped your cushion? See, sometimes it gets flipped when we don't expect it to get flipped. Kind of like Matthew got his flipped. The invitation from Jesus to follow him begins with these words. If anyone, if anyone. Someone said to me one time, Jeff, why is it so easy for a man who was so bad, mean, outside the walls of a prison, can go to prison and get soft, humble, meek, and saved behind bars? Let me tell you why. Because all them cats' cushions got flipped. They all got flipped. Ain't nobody in there pretending their cushion didn't have a stain on it. When they walk in, the stain's showing. They got sentenced because they're stained. And so they don't pretend anymore. They just say, yep, my name's Jim. And I'm in here. I deserved to be in here. This is what I did. But that's who I used to be. But now I'm a born-again child of the king. And then they begin to say, God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. And then you just hear that chant. This morning, the invitation that Jesus gives us to follow him is simple this. If anyone. Hey, you know what anyone means? Anyone. Means anyone. Anyone means me, and anyone means you. Means you. Oh, I know. I know about your cushion. I know you like to flip it over and not show that side. That's okay. Because Jesus knows your cushion's other side. And he still loves you. He still loves you. And see, when you when he flips that cushion over, I don't want you to any longer live in shame and guilt and rejection and self-inflicted penalties. I want you to raise your head high and stick your head up and live in grace and mercy and acceptance and redemption Because you've met Jesus. He changed your life. He covered up your stain. Oh, you know it's there. Other people can still see it if you show it to them. But that doesn't identify you anymore. That's who you used to be. This is who you are now. And what's funny is, the more you tell about your stain, the more people with stains come to Jesus. Don't be scared to flip your cushion. don't be scared. This morning, I'm going to invite you to take the next step from being a fan to being a follower. and Jesus says, if anyone and anyone means you. so if you sat here and you self-imposed penalties on yourself that said, No way, dude. I can't be a follower because of my stain. Learn from Morgan and learn from Matthew that the stain on your cushion does not disqualify you from being a follower of Jesus. This morning, as we move to a time of invitation, I want to invite you. To come. No longer say. Can't do it. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. Dude. My stain is the size of the cushion. Don't care. Don't care. Neither did Jesus. I believe for some of us in the room tonight. Jesus has stopped at our booth. We didn't know he was. But he did. And he flipped your cushion this morning. And he exposed that stain. But instead of being met with rejection, you've been met with love. Receive that love. Receive that forgiveness. Receive that grace. Receive that mercy. Receive that redemption. And be a follower of Jesus and never look back. And don't be embarrassed by your stain. And tell your story about your stain. Because many will hear, and many will see, and many will put their trust in the Lord. Pray with me. Father, we love you. God, as we've walked into a brand new year, it's a new start. All that we didn't do in 13 that we wished we would have done, well by your grace we got to have 14 and we're not guaranteed every day of 14 but God willing if we get 365 I pray that it's a beautiful 14 morgan had a day a life experience when her cushion got flipped that changed her life forever she was never and never will be the same girl. Matthew had an encounter with a man named Jesus on a busy street at a tax collector's booth hiding from the world and everyone he disappointed hoping no one would see him and lo and behold Jesus came down his street stopped at his booth and flipped his cushion. And said, yes, I've seen your stain, but I still want you to follow me. And he got up and he followed Jesus. God, there's a room full of people who've been hiding at their booth. Sitting on their cushion with the stain on the other side. Hoping it would never get flipped. always using that as an excuse not to follow you. God, today I pray that they get that cushion flipped and they stand up and they act just like Matthew. They follow you. So God, today wherever you find us, as we begin 14, I pray, Father, you find us following you. God, today, call us out of that seat. Call us down to the altar. Move us to be a follower of the King and to start 2014 the way it needs to be and should be started. Not with a bunch of promises hiding that same stain, but a bunch of declarations declaring that stain. God, move us now. During this invitation time, this is your invitation just like it was to Matthew. May we respond in the same way. In Christ's name I pray.